Welcome to Sealing God's People at SealingGodsPeople.org. There with our podcast. They're on both iPhone and Android with our own app, Sealing God's People. Tune in, subscribe. As we talk about the work of the ministry, what is happening to the people of God, the servants of our Lord here in the last days in Revelation 7, seal the servants of God in their forehead. We're talking about the mind of Christ, where we are in the body of Christ now. We understand that America is in a season of prayer, that there is a window there that we, in obedience to God, will determine our outcome based upon uh, how we stand for truth. Now, the truth, and my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face. There. If we take a look at that, the Lord said he would hear from heaven and heal their land, forgive our sins. My people which are called by my name. You have to be called by the name of God Almighty. How did you get called by that name? By all well, by taking on the name of Jesus in baptism. As many as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, the heart being circumcised in the spirit by the body, the sins of the flesh destroyed by baptism. Those there have taken on the name of Jesus. The whole body in heaven and earth is named that name. Jesus. There, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And he says another thing. Seek my face. There's the glory of God. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Seek the face as to seek the glory of God. The sealing is the glory, and they will literally see that glory upon the servants of God in the last days in that sealing. As it was in the former reign, suddenly came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire appeared. They could see it. <clears throat> and sat on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. There was cloven tongues of fire that appeared. What's going to happen in the latter rain? The last great rain of his strength. Well, far greater, far greater glory. Why? Because the Lord God says, who make his angels, spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. Not just cloven tongues of fire setting on them, but literally making his ministers a flame of fire. Now, there's a lot of preachers, but not very many ministers in these last days. And what I say by that, what I mean by that, that those that seek the mastery must be temperate in all things and first partake of the fruits. And the Lord right now is in preparing his body for those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we must be obedient to that voice, for the time is coming and now is when those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. We have to hear the voice in order to obey and be in obedience. For whosoever we yield our members of servants to obey, him are the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death, even though we have the Holy Ghost, even though we have Christ in us, we still have to obey. To be carly minded is death. 
even though we have the Spirit of God and we stay carnally minded, not transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for us is, and we stay carnally minded, it will still be death. There, those that yield their members as obedience unto righteousness, those are there will go on to holiness. And God is calling his body for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the body of Christ. That's the reason he gave a fivefold. Now, we're going to focus on this podcast, the restoration, and why that is so important. Because in Acts 3.21, it said the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things. That means that there are things that must be restored or in the restitution of these things, which the things are the things of faith. Restitution of all things. Well, what are the things? Faith is the substance of things, hope for, the evidence of things not seen. We're not talking about the things which are seen, which are temporal. We're talking about the things which are not seen, which are eternal. And you, which are spiritual, set your affection on the things the things above, not on the things beneath. The affection there is in the spirit. And if thine eye be single, that eye of the spirit, not your natural eyes. But if thine eye be single, that whole body's full of light. But if thine eye be darkness, how great is that darkness? The eye is the eye of revelation. It's the ain. It is uh, that fountain of life. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which is not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. As we talk about the work of the ministry and what is necessary and essential for the sealing of God's servants in Revelation 7. Well, we know in Revelation 1, verse 1, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it. There's your sign. There's your sealing by his servant, by his angel under John, that John is Jehovah favored. And that is, and we find in Revelation 10, that the seven thunders uttered their voices, and John was about to write. And the voice spake to him and said, Write it not. Take the little book, the Bibliaridian, the little book out of the angel's hand and eat you all of it. It'll be sweet to your mouth as honey and bitter to your belly. Why did he have to take it? Because the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The law and the prophets were unto John. Since that time, men pressed their way into it, just as Paul said to the church at Philippi and the house of Lydia a cell of purple where they had a meeting in Philippi and said, I'm not perfect yet. Neither have I already attained. But I'm trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth in those things which are before. These things are the things of faith that we have been earnestly contending for this faith unless it contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's a Pentecostal reign, the former reign. Then Zechariah 10 says, 
ask of your rain in the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make bright clouds, send forth showers to every one grass in the field, Zechariah 10.1. That's the last great rain of his strength, but it is not in Pentecost. We find in Haggai, the feast prophet, the festive prophet, in Haggai 2, in the 21st day of the seventh month, God says, I'm going to shake all nations, and then the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll make, and he said, all the silver and the gold is mine, and I'll make the glory of the latter house greater than that of the former. That's the latter rain. That's the last great rain of his strength. This is going to be greater than the Pentecostal move in tabernacles in the trumpet voice of Jesus. Now the Lord certainly is coming again the second time without sin unto salvation for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and wherefore comfort you one another with these words. Certainly that's true but before the second coming of the Lord before he comes that second time without sin and salvation for the salvation of his people, there is a work that must be done. For the heavens must receive Jesus into the times of the restitution or restoration of all things. Well, what are these things? Let's take a look at Daniel 9 and verse 24. We're seeing a time that is speaking here in Daniel. And to understand the book of the Revelation, we must understand the apocalyptic books, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Uh, Daniel, is, we're going to see, is on a solar calendar. Uh, I'm sorry, on a prophetic calendar. Uh, Daniel's on a prophetic calendar. Uh, Ezekiel on a solar calendar. And Jeremiah on a lunar calendar. Making both the sun, moon, and stars uh, literally coming into one, which is the fullness in that prophetic coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfilling all things. So there still remains a third of the prophecy in this book still yet to be fulfilled. Because of that, it says in Acts 3.21 that the heavens must receive Jesus until the times. There's the times of the restitution of all things. I submit to you that this is the day that we're living in. We're in the last of the last days. And all of my people were wise that they would understand their latter end. Is this not sealed up among my treasures to be revealed in the last days, saith God, Deuteronomy 32. These things are now being revealed unto the true servants of God. In Daniel 9, 24, we're going to see about this restoration, this restoring, this faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that's through the word. Sanctify them through that truth. That word is truth. Are you going to be sealed? Well, through the word of God and knowing these things in the words of the book of this prophecy. And we see in Daniel 9.24, and he states in reading there, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression to make an end of sins. Now, blessed be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's singular. That sin of the world is that original. That 
body of the sin of the flesh there that Adam brought upon a mankind and Adam all died. And death, that is how sin reigns under by death. Now grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness is a progressive glorification of the body of Christ going to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man, Jesus the head, and we, the church, the body of the Christ. So he's talking about 70 weeks are determined. And these are 70 Shebas, or Shabbats. These are 70 Shebas, weeks of Sheba. And these are Heptads, not Shabbos. These are Heptads, which are years, which we see 70 years, 70 weeks of years. So that would be 490 years. And from the time that the decree went forth of Artaxerxes into the Messiah, the prince, we're going to see he certainly came exactly to the year that he was supposed to come into Jerusalem there for a three and a half year ministry there of the Messiah, Hamashiach. There, Yeshua, Hamashiach, the Messiah. The Christos, Jesus, his name, and uh, to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, not being led of the Spirit of God, and that is the mystery of iniquity. Sin is the transgression of law. Iniquity is not being led of the Spirit of God in lawlessness, missing the mark. To make Reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. That everlasting righteousness is how grace reigns through righteousness. And this is everlasting righteousness that we find in Romans 5 that sin reigned by death, but grace reigns through righteousness. And this is bringing in everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision. What vision? We find in Daniel 2, this vision, Daniel said, is not given to me for any of my righteousness or any of my holiness. But God reveals unto you, king, these secrets. This vision is to seal up that vision. That God there will show forth his work in the last days. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. What is that? The words of the book of this prophecy, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And to anoint the most holy. To anoint the most holy, we're seeing a total restoration here because verse 25 tells us that, that the heavens in the book of Acts, 3.21 tells us that the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution of all things. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, there's restoration, restitution, and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Hamashiach, the Christ, the Prince, capital P, that's not the, the Prince of Darkness, that is the Lord God Almighty, that is the Lord Jesus, that is not Cyrus, that is Jesus Christ, 
shall be seven weeks. That's seven Shebas. Seven weeks, seven weeks of heptad, seven weeks of years, and three score and two weeks. Three score and two weeks, and seven weeks shall be 483 years. And we find that Messiah comes just as stated here. Messiah the Prince, which is Jesus Christ. Watch it the next the next part of the verse. The street shall be built again and the wall. The street is the way. In the word of God, the street is that highway of holiness, which no fool shall err therein. The street of Jerusalem, that that street that shall be built again is the way, the truth, and the life. It's walking in all truth. And the wall is a wall of salvation. And it said, shall be built again. That is restoration. It's torn down, but built again. A restoration, a restitution of all things. Paul said to the church over there, immediately after my departure, Grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock. He was talking about apostasy, an apostasy of falling away from the truth. But then there would be a great restoration that it would be in the time of their latter end. And we find in the oath to the tribes, according to Jacob in Genesis 49, we find that this is what he spoke over the people of Israel. What shall befall thy people in the latter days? These days, the last days. The same with, remember my servant Moses in Malachi 4, that spoke to us in the song of Moses, which is Sher HaKahadash, which that is a feminine, progressive song. It started in Exodus 15 when they passed over the Reed Sea, the Red Sea as they passed over the Reed Sea. And Miriam took a, a timbrel, and they sang the song of Moses in a victory dance. And the song of Moses, the victory that God had brought to them, bring them out of Egypt. That started the first bookend of the song of Moses. It started the song of Moses. In Deuteronomy 32 and 33, they're before the Jordan River in a way that you have not been before. We find one generation there that said they would could not enter into the land because they were nothing but grasshoppers. At Kadesh Barnea, the house of a disobedient son, they had backed up on God. Only Joshua and Caleb, the two witnesses, said were well able to take the land. Because of that, God said, turn them back, Moses, and go back into the wilderness. And they're the ones that said that they would not be able to take that land, will die. And their children said that they, they said, I'll take their children over to the promised land. At that point, Moses turned them back around. They left Kadesh Barnea. They had disobeyed God. When they tried to obey God because they missed the call, they tried to and were killed. And they went back into the wilderness there, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. That generation died off, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the second law, and Moses said they were circumcised again. And those children prepare this way, 
and you have not been this way before, to carry the Ark of the Covenant over the Jordan River. The Reed Sea began the Song of Moses, Shurachadash. Then, all the way through the wilderness, there to be tempted and tried to see if you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might. Anything that can blow you out. Anything that will make you gripe and complain and move the Lord to provoke him in a day of his provocation. And he gave them quail, and they ate quail until it came out, and the God then killed them. In that day, provoke not that Lord as in the day of provocation. Believe the word of God. And then as they come through the wilderness and every point being tied, tried, tested, and coming all the way over that second generation, that first generation had partaken of the feast of the Lord in four feasts. But there's seven feasts of the Lord. But they only partook of four. Number one, the Passover, the Feast of Passover. In the season of Passover, there's three feasts. Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits. They ate that Passover lamb, the Paschal lamb, kept it up four days, roasted it all night, and then ate it in their going out in the morning. They took that boat of the lamb and put it on the doorpost uh, and the lentils and the doorpost, making a cross and that blood. And God passed over them, Passover. And then unleavened bread. Uh, we find there that they passed over three days later. They passed over at the Red Sea, the Red Sea. And there with the Red Sea before them, mountains on each side and Pharaoh coming with his Egyptian army to totally annihilate the children of Israel. And Moses said, God, what shall I do? Lift up the rod. What is in your hand, Moses? Lift up that rod. That rod is the rod of the stem of Jesse. Speaks of Jesus Christ himself, the power of God, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Lift it up. For if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. Moses lifted up that rod. And as he did, the Red Sea parted, stood upon its banks, and they went over dry shod. At that point, that was a feast there of unleavened bread. They had eaten that, that unleavened in that Passover that night. Unleavened bread with the bitter herbs. And then they're going out, first fruits, uh, they're going out of Egypt, first fruits. And that exodus. Then, after they go through the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, three days later, then they find seven, you know, number seven, sevens are seven, Shebas, a Sheba, a well of an oath, a bear Sheba, a bad Sheba, mother of an oath, the queen of Sheba, the, well, the oath <laughs> that, that, eh, that Elisheba, that is that well, that oath that God has sworn seven times over Eli, the God is. And that Eli, my God, Sheba, a Sheba. And that he has sworn an oath seven times over. Sheba is a seven. Or it can be Sheba or a Sabbath, a Sabbath. And there remaineth a, a rest to the people of God. There is an eternal Sabbath to the people of God 
Hebrews 4. Take heed lest a promise slip any of you that you should seem to come short of entering into his rest for there remaineth a rest to the people of God. If Jesus had given the rest, he would not have spoken of another day. Somebody said, that is Joshua. Yeshua. Yeshua. Sure. But Jesus spoke of another day. The time is coming and now is when those that hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. And he talk about that voice. That voice of God. The voice of the Almighty. The voice of many mighty waters. The voice of an host. It's a ministry voice of Jesus in that Rosh Shashana, the Feast of Trumpets. And that's where the body of Christ is now. The ones that are counted worthy of that. Most of the children of Israel in that first generation, they took of the Passover lamb, unleavened bread, and the first fruits. They came over the Red Sea, the Red Sea. Fifty days later, they were at their Pentecost, that Feast of Weeks. Fifty days later, they were at Mount Sinai and received the Decalogue. And Moses came down. They received the first four feasts. But they should have gone on for the last three feasts of the Feast of Trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot. But they didn't. There's never been a generation yet that has partaken of all seven feasts. Therefore, it still remains to be fulfilled that in Hebrews, Paul tells us that they, all these that died in faith and never received the promise, without us, should not be made perfect. The body of Christ will be made perfect unto a measure of the stature of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man. The first four feasts of that generation came to Kadesh Barnea and time for them to go over the Jordan River, sent the spies out into the land, but they came back with an evil report. Only Joshua and Caleb believed they're well able to take the land. Only the two witnesses. The same will be revealed in the last days that only a remnant of our seed that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus will go on in in this latter reign of the Holy Ghost. That generation and their seed that had not been circumcised were circumcised and the children that, that the parents said should not and would not take that promised land because all the nations there were as giants and they were in their own eyes as grasshoppers. They, Deuteronomy, the second law, Moses there, they were circumcised. They came and the way they'd never been before and they passed over the Jordan River. And as they passed over, they were going to have a, the, the heap of testimony, Gilead. Twelve stones for memorial. They go into the Battle of Ai. Uh, and, and as they uh, battle there, uh, and we go on into all the battles of taking that land, that we find it's a Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
three more feasts that they were to partake of that that generation did, but not the other. There's never been a generation that have partaken of all seven feasts. There will be a generation. That will be counted for that generation. That should be counted for the seed in that Christ generation. In Matthew 1, there's 14 generations from Abraham to David. There's another 14 generations from David until the carrying away into Babylon. And then from Babylon, the carrying away into Babylon, to whom was born Jesus. That's the 13th or the 43rd I mean, 41st generation of who is called Christ. That's the 42nd generation or in the 14th generation in that third segment, 14, 14, and 14. The first 14 generations, Abraham to David. Next 14 generations, David to the carrying away into Babylon. From Babylon unto Jesus, 13 generations are the 41st and to the final generation, 14th, who is called Christ. That is that Christ generation that should be counted for the seed that will be perfected, manifesting Jesus, this gospel of the kingdom being preached to all the world for witness in all nations, then the end will come. And this is what we're seeing in Daniel 9.25 in this restoration and to restore the street and the wall, even in in troublous times. That's what we see in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. This is a time of praise your flight, be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, the Sheba, the seventh day, the, sub, the Sabbath day, the Sheba day, the consummation of all things, the seventh, and this well of an oath of Beersheba, that Sheba that God has sworn seven times over because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself of these two immutable truths that he is faithful and true. Immutable, unchangeable. Therefore, he said, and after three score and two weeks, very important, shall Messiah be cut off. That means after those 62 weeks. After the seven and 62 weeks are 483 years, shall Messiah be cut off. Where? After three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, that's the prince of the power of this heir, that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. In the natural, that happened in 70 A.D. Titus, the son of Vespasian, in 70 A.D., besieged the city and took it. Just as Jesus said, there won't be one stone on top of another that shall not be thrown down. That literally happened after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in 70 AD, Titus, son of Vespasian, literally took the city and every stone was thrown down just as Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. And he says, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And until the end of the war, desolations are determined. So evil men and and seducers waxing worse and worse. We see that in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. The temple is the temple of God, which temple you are in the body of Christ. When we see that, 
in Isaiah, there is a seraphim. There is a cherubim of glory. Two wings that cover his feet, two wings that covered his eyes, and with two wings he did fly. That cherubim are not angels. That seraphim, cherubim, a seraph is a fire. That is the body of Christ that has come into a flame of fire. Who maketh this angel spirits, yes, and his ministers, a flame of fire, seraph, seraphim, Elohim, full glory, six wings, two cover their feet, that's a walk of God, two cover their eyes, they're being led of the Holy Ghost, not of natural sight, and with two they did fly. Fly upon what? The wind of doctrine. Isaiah, God, Yah, is my salvation. I said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm undone because I have seen the Lord. I've seen this work. I've seen this fire of the Holy Ghost that's coming upon the people of God. I've seen it. And because I've seen this work, I've seen the Lord and His glory revealed where? He takes a coal from off the altar and sets it up on the lips of Isaiah. He said, you sense purge iniquity is purged. That's what God is doing now, perfecting the body of Christ through the fire of the Holy Ghost. Those who will have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And as Isaiah did, he realized that something had happened. There was a change through the fire, through his lips. His word is now He said, God said, who will go for us? This is a free will. God's not going to force anybody to do anything. Who will go for us? Somebody said, well, that's the Father talking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. No, it's not. Who will go for us? All of the attributes of God, all that He is in essence, and all that follow Him. Who will go for us? Who will go for the kingdom? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Lord, I'll go. Send me. My God is my salvation. Yah is my salvation. He said, yes, go. Go until the city be without inhabitant and the land be utterly desolate. Now the question is, who's making the land uh, totally desolate? The end of the war, desolations are determined. Who's doing it? How you answer that question will determine of what you think is Daniel 9, 27. It's going to determine who you think the white horse rider is in Revelation 6, in the first beast said, come and see, and it was a white horse and a rider that sat upon him and a bow, a crown was given to him and a bow, a toxon, an ornamental bow for a victor that has won and triumphed over the enemy before the battle even starts this white horse rider has a bow no era a bow it is a toxon it is a fabric bow an ornamental bow given to the victor after he triumphs this is given to the white horse rider before he even starts but if you believe that God himself is not making the land desolate that he is not going from a white horse to a red horse, conquest, 
a sword going through the land? Or the black horse, a pair of balances in his hand? Three measures of barley for a penny, a measure of wheat for a penny, seeds you hurt, not the oil and wine. Those are your seven feasts of the Lord right there. Barley, three measures of barley. That's Passover on bread and first fruits. That's corn harvest. But in corn harvest is another, and a measure of wheat for a penny. There's your Pentecost. And see that you hurt not the oil and the wine. That's fruit harvest. In tabernacles, you don't hurt them. They're already there. But then what, what follows? A pale horse and death and hell followed after him. One-fourth of the population were killed by the sword, by the pestilence, by the plagues of that pale horse rider. Then we find under the fifth seal souls slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. That's the fifth seal. Who are these? These are the ones that were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. They said, O Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before thou avenge our butt upon them that dwell upon the earth? They're not soul sleep. They're cognizant. They know everything and where they're at. The spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews 12. And white robes of righteousness were given to them. And it said, And to your fellow servants and your brethren that should be killed as you were should be fulfilled. We've got some more work. Now many of understanding shall fall, why? fall to try to purge and to make them white. Washing their robes uh, and making them white in the blood of the Lamb through the great tribulation. These are the ones that came out of great tribulation. Washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7. Somebody said, well, my pastor told me we were already free tribulation out of it. Well, your pastor told you a lie. Because you're not coming out of this until the end. Jesus said, I'm with, I'm with you to the end of the world. Amen. Matthew 28, 29. Matthew 28, 19, I'm sorry. Go ye into all the world, teaching and reserve all things for us commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That name is Jesus as declared by Peter on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, 38. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. Matthew 28, 19. Well, we're not going out before then. There's no pre-tribulation rapture. We're going through it. The good news is that there's two wings of an eagle given to the woman, the church, where she flieth into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God. God's got a place prepared for us where we're nourished from the face of the serpent, for a time, times, and dividing of a time, three and a half years, 42 months, 1,203 score days, you don't have to worry about it because you will be sealed and God has a place for you. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, some of you shall be put to death. Yes. You'll seal your testimony with your own blood. But where is that? Grave, where's thy victory? Go, death, where's, where's thy sting? Go, grave, where's thy victory? Swallowed up in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the preparation for the work of the ministry that we see in Ephesians 4 for those that have an ear to hear. So how you look at Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm the covenant. Now the covenant, you're going to say, well, that covenant He's a, is Jesus is given a covenant to the people, or you're going to say that's the Antichrist. Well, wait a minute. Jesus 
after three score and two weeks. That's after the 69th week. He will be cut off. But not for himself. Well then, who is cut off? Jesus is. But not for himself. Isaiah says, and who shall declare his generation? Who's going to declare it? This generation that shall be counted for the seed. In Daniel 9.27, and he shall confirm the coming of many for one week. That week is not a Shabbat, it's a wept head. It's a Sheba. It's sworn seven times in an oath. It means to swear. And in the midst of the week. Well, when was Jesus crucified? After 62 weeks. After seven weeks and 62 weeks. Well, and what? In the midst of the week, he, the midst of the week, I see that's seven years, and then the midst of that week would be three and a half years. That's exactly the length of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Oh, but somebody said, well, no, Brother Ben, you need to read over here. And it says, after the league made with the Antichrist, the prince, that he will work deceitfully. And that is a covenant made with Israel. No, it's not. No, it's not. If you think the devil is doing this, then you're going to say, yeah, that's a league made with him. You're going to say the white horse rider in Revelation 6, verse 1 and 2, that, that, that uh, first beast said, one of the beasts saying, come and see. And I saw a white horse and him that sat on him was given a crown and a bow was given to him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. The devil's not conquering the land. The only conqueror there is. You're more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. That white horse and white means righteousness of the saints. It doesn't change and a white with some kind of spots in it. It's white. White's the righteousness of the saints. It's not a deceiver. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and he's going forth. What is that, that bow given to him? It is a toxon, an ornamental bow that you give to the victor after he's triumphed. Jesus gives us the body of Christ that before we even start the battle. And then as we proclaim that word to all the nations, then it goes to a red horse rider. Sword was given him. Take peace with the land. Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword. There it is. To set a father at variance against his son, a mother against a daughter, mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. Jeremiah 4, Lord, it is if you have deceived this people, saying peace, and behold, the sword reacheth unto the soul. The sword, yes, the sword a two-edged sword that this scroll, if you either will obey it and live in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and him that knoweth to do good and does it not to him it's sin. Those that walk in the spirit, the law of the spirit of life, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because they crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. The spirit of the world will come in through the mark of the beast and the keys of the stigma, 603 score and 6, and deceive many by false prophets. There in that midst of the week, let's see what happens in the midst of that week. It's after 62 weeks. In other words, seven weeks and 62. That's, that's uh, four, after that 69 weeks, something after that week, Jesus is cut off. He's cut off after 
Notice it says, and after three score and two weeks. That's after the seven weeks and three score and two weeks. After those six, three score and two weeks. After it, he's cut off. But not for himself. When is he cut off? It's after 62 weeks. After seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is after 69 weeks, he's cut off. After. Well, when? Well, it tells us right here. And in the midst of the week, he, that's Jesus Christ, shall cause us sacrifice and the oblation to cease. When Jesus died on the cross, all the ordinances of that law that were contrary to us, he nailed it to his cross, thereby breaking down the middle wall of partition. All the sacrifices. But you think, and what most are preaching, is that that's the devil and that devil's causing all kinds of havoc. When we find that he, in the midst of that week, in that midst of that last week, or that 70th week, or three and a half years, he shall cause, he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. As Jesus Christ, he caused that sacrifice and that oblations to totally cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. That's a transgression of desolation in Daniel 8. Why? The abomination of desolation, Jesus said, whosoever readeth, let him understand. That is because of transgression, because we have sinned. Daniel said it. Lord, we've sinned, and my father's sin will worse than my father's. Therefore, unto us belongs confusion of faces, as it is this day, but unto the Lord everlasting righteousness and holiness unto God. He's crying out for the sins of abomination done in Jerusalem. Ezekiel 9, those are the only ones crying out for the sins and abomination done in Jerusalem are the only ones that have the mark, the seal of the living God. So we're saying that the Lord kills and makes alive. We're saying the Lord Jesus is the one that causes it to rain on one city and not on another. Jesus said, shall I cause it, I cause it rain on one city and not on another, and shall there be evil in the city, and I, the Lord thy God, have not done it? Not the devil. The evil, the trouble, the tribulation. Take a look at Amos 9, verse 9. There's a sifting going on among the nations. What's God sifting? The righteous from the, the wicked, the holy from the profane, those that serve God versus those that do not serve God. There's a sifting going on among the nation. Amos 9, verse 9. Next verse. And I'll destroy all the sinners of my people. Who will? God will. Who say, no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. We're not going to have any birth pains. We're not going to have any trouble. That's Babylon. Mr. Babylon, the great mother of hearts, abomination there says, I said, a queen, I am no widow. I will see no sorrow. I will have no birth pains. I will have no tribulation. I work with patience. Patience, work with experience. Experience, work with hope. And hope makes it our shame because the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. Not understanding the cross, he must not only call to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. So this prosperity gospel has left out the cross. It's a crossless Christianity, which there is no glory. We're saying that that white horse rider is definitely Jesus Christ, that Daniel 9.27 is the Lord that is cut off in the midst of the week when, after 62 weeks, and in the midst of the week, he, 
shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations. Who brought that? It's transgression because we transgress against God, Daniel 8. The transgression of desolation. He shall make it desolate. Who's making it desolate? What's causing on the land? He tells Isaiah 6 to Isaiah, you go into the city, be without inhabitant, and the land be utterly desolate. And what that? And take a look at it. Even until the consummation, until the consummation of all things, until the elphine, and that determined, that that is determined, shall be done by God. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate, upon the desolator. God has created the destroyer to destroy. What if the rod contemneth? What if that sword contemneth the rod of my son? Slap upon your thigh, Ezekiel. Cry, cry upon thy thigh. The rod, a sword, a sword sure is sharpened. It sharpens sore for the slaughter. Well, who's doing it? Oh, the Assyrian is. Oh, Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, the staff in their hand, God said, is my indignation. That is. Can a saw saw by itself? He says about the Assyrian, Asher, the father of Assyria, the rod of mine anger, the staff in their hand, Isaiah 10, 5. Is mine and that's God's indignation. And that indignation, hide thyself, your people, God's people, a little while, enter into thy chambers until the indignation be overpassed. Not your raptured out. Hide yourself a little while, enter into thy chambers until the indignation be overpassed. And God said, My anger ends in their destruction. That's the end of the war. It's be poured out upon the desolate, the desolator. So we're saying there remains another three and one half years confirming the covenant with many for one week. Jesus did three and one half years in that Sheba, that sworn seven times over, that Sabbath. And we find in that ironic priesthood, we find that in Exodus. Matter of fact, in Aaron. We're going to find there's a Sheba there. And Aaron, uh, there under Exodus 6 and verse 22. And in the sons of uh, Uzal, Ethiel and Ephaz and Zebai, and take a look at verse 23. He goes on and says, And Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood, took him. Elisheba. Elisheba. There's a lie. My God is. God is. Sheba. There's that that Sheba. That Sheba. And that Sheba is oath, sworn. It speaks of seven. Fullness, perfection. He took Elisheba daughter of Amenadab, sister of Nation, to wife. And she bore Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, that he may minister, God says to me, 
that he, all of these were made for one man, one high priest. That speaks of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, that he may minister to me in that office of the high priest of garments of glory and beauty. Well, where do we find that Elishaba? Elishaba is the Greek name Elizabeth that we find in Luke 1. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth Elias Shabbat. There we find that oath coming in in the restoration that we see in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. That wall and that street's going to be built again even in troublous time. Who is that? That is not only Jesus being revealed in that street and that, but it is the work of the ministry of Jesus. It's a Jesus ministry and not only redemption miracles as Jesus did in the days of his flesh, but also the kingdom miracles of Elijah and the judgment miracles of Moses. And that's Malachi 4. Remember my servant Moses. Behold, I send you Elijah before the great, before, not on the day, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. He will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Well, there's three different stages there. First are newborn babes and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I write, and then they go to little children. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and you've known the Father. First John 2, 12 through 14. There's your first glory state. The sealing of a signet that we see in the priest's garments and in Exodus 28. And it's according to the birth. It is an engraving of a graver of a signet according to the birth upon the shoulders of the high priest. According to the birth, there we have. I ran you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and you've known the father. Those are just little children. But then we have to go to the next. Then there's going to be another engraving of an engraver. There is the sign, the signet, the sign of a signet, the engraving of a signet. He sent and signified it. There's the sign. That's the seal. And, and in Exodus 28, which is now according to the tribes, to the oath to the tribes, on the breastplate of the high priest. Four rows, three in each row, and it goes from now diversities of stone, diversity of stones. Not according to birth, but now according to work and diversity. One spirit, but different ministrations. We have different ministries in the body of Christ. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, for the workers of miracles, governments, helps. All these are fitly framed together, compacted together for the edifying of itself in love. And whichever joint supplies come body of Christ coming together. And it will not be a denomination. It will be the body of Christ coming together as one body. And it will literally take the everlasting gospel to all the world for witness to all nations. And then the end will come. That second sealing is an engraving of an engraver of a signet according to the tribes, the work. And the first row we have, Judah, is a car of Zebulun. The second row, we're going to Reuben, Simeon, Gad. Third row, we're going to Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. And third, last row, the fourth row, will be Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. 
but it's different colors of stones because of a different works of the ministry, but still different administrations, but one spirit. That is the overcomers. I write to you overcomers because the word of God is strong in you. I write to you overcomers because you've overcome the wicked one. First John 2, 12 through 14. There's your next ceiling of overcomers. That's the reason Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, uh, the him that overcometh. We have to be overcomers. We have to do the will of God. If not, we don't do the will of God. We don't make that second, that ceiling of God according to the work of the ministry. Then we're going to hear what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Not all say to me, Lord, Lord, be able to enter in. Well, they called him Lord. No one can call Jesus Christ Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, except by the Holy Ghost. Yes, that's true. But he said, not all that's saying that are going to be able to enter in. They begin to profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. We've prophesied in your name. Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Work iniquity. Then he said, because you did not do the will of my Father which is in heaven. You didn't do it. And because you did not do it, you were not an overcomer. To him that overcometh. What? The devil, the world, and their own flesh. And he tells us what that means to find the works perfect in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. To the church. To every individual in that church. If any man have an ear to hear. Any man. That's any man or woman. Having it here, let him hear what the Spirit saying to the churches. Then there's one more final ceiling, Revelation 7. The overcomers then will be the servants of God that will have the sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. That is the mind of Christ as called, chosen, and faithful in their call, making their calling and election sure. They've added to their faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. And charity is the bond of perfectness. It's a guarantee of perfectness. Coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus. And there's only way that you can go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. See that your charity aboundeth one toward another, brethren. We're bound to thank God for you and all your what? Persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Second Thessalonians 1. Why? That you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. That you might be accounted worthy of entering into kings and priests until the Lord your God and reign with your Lord for 1,000 years in the kingdom age. Seeing that is a righteous thing to render tribulation to them that have tribulation or troubled you. And we find here in 2 Thessalonians 2. That second chapter of 2 Thessalonians 2, that the coming of the Lord are gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken, as by letters from us for an angel. Why? Because that day, the day of Christ, will not come until it come a falling away first. A falling away? And the man of sin be revealed. You're still here. So am I. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. 
the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter days, last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we've got enough of them out there. What's that seducing spirits and doctrine of devils? Trinity. You know, what is that? Snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> Three unclean spirits like frogs. These are spirits of devils working miracles, and many have followed their pernicious ways. Here, O Israel, Lord our God is one Lord. There is your, there is your Shema. Shema. We find that the greatest commandment of all in Mark 12, 29. What is it? Scribe after Jesus. What's the first commandment of all? What's the dominant commandment? What is the first dominant commandment, essential commandment of all? Jesus said, uh, Mark 12, 29. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second's likened to it. Love your neighbors yourself. From this hang all the prophets and the law. That's your Deuteronomy 6, 4. Now, on every doorpost of every Jew, he puts the mezuzah as frontlets to his eyes. And he's getting up and he's going to bed, laying down and getting up. And they brew the trumpet. That ram's on where they brew that that. Sh- Shiva, the saying the Shiva. When they did, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Morning sacrifice. Evening sacrifice. In the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's, there it is. There's only one Lord, one God Almighty, and he is the Holy One of Israel. The devils believe in one God in trouble. Not three persons in a Godhead, just one. Not two, not a binitarian, not a oneness that the man's not God, but God's still in the man sitting up there, the right hand of God. Because Jesus said to him that overcomes like grants to sit with me in my throne. Where'd you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and I'm set, S-E-T, down with the Father in his throne, not around it, beside it, in it. That is the truth gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for witness in all nations, and then the end will come. That's the restoration. How do we know? What is that? When is that? When they came up to the Mount of Transfiguration and a mountain apart, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. As he went upon the Mountain of Transfiguration, there, there appeared with Jesus Moses and Elijah. We find Malachi 4 there. Remember my servant Moses? Behold, I send you Elijah. But they were transfigured. Jesus was transfigured before them. Didn't say Moses was. Didn't say, didn't say uh, uh, Elijah was. They appeared with him on that mount. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And Peter said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three booths, three sukkahs, three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he wist not what he said. He didn't know why he said it. When they came up from their terror trembling, they saw Jesus only. The people of God in the last days will be a Jesus only people. Not a oneness, not a binitarian two-ness, 
not a trinity or or three persons in a Godhead. They will be Jesus only in doctrine, realizing that Jesus is a blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who only hath immortality. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, I've got a lot of questions. Tune in to the podcast. Subscribe to it. See the revelation of Jesus, that he is God alone. He is, was, and is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1.8. That is your Lord God Almighty. That he's going to do his work in the last days, and that will be counted for a seed for the generation that will, that Christ generation, not that they are Christ, but Christ is in them. But they have to have the sealing first. Not only of overcomers, but that of fathers. I have right to your fathers, that's 1 John 2, 12 through 14 again. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. Him from the beginning is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. That's the word. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. And that is... Seen, heard, tasted, and handled of the word of life. 1 John 1, verse 1. The ones that are counted worthy of that, for that sealing, will be that of fathers because they know the work of the ministry. They know the work of God, that work of the ministry, that faith that was once delivered to the saints, which is the testimony of Jesus. In Revelation 19, 10, John, if anybody knew Jesus, John knew Jesus. Apostle John. He came upon a man and he was about to worship him, bowed down to worship him. And the man said, See, thou doest it not. Revelation 19.10. For I am of thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. It's not Pentecostal. That's not just having the Holy Ghost. That's being led and guided in all truth, overcoming with the word of God strong in you, overcoming the devil of the world in your own flesh, and then taking the seal of the living God to fathers in Revelation 7, knowing him that's from the beginning, coming to the image of Jesus Christ, to a perfect man, to the, to the image of Jesus Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the body of Christ, coming unto full perfection. He said, worship God. Revelation 19.10, that man is the body of Christ, not in a Pentecostal state, but in a higher glory. Not Gnosko, just knowing Jesus after the Spirit, being a Pentecostal, having the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory, but the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and to, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God is not gnosko. It's not a Pentecostal knowledge. That's gnosko. We're not knowing him at the flesh, but we know him at the Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But these have the knowledge of the Son of God. That's not gnosko. That's epi-gnosko. Higher glory. They've gone from glory to glory. Even to the image of Jesus Christ. For whom he did foreknow them, he did predestinate Predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. 
those that he predestinated, them that he called them, that he called it justified, them that he justified, he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Don't stop at justification. That justification, yeah, wonderful. But there's a sanctification. Sanctify yourself, Holy Ghost, Spirit, Soul, and Body, that we all may be presented blameless at his coming. Sanctify them through that truth, our word is truth. And then glorification. Who's counted worthy of that glory? The glorification is that of the fathers. It's a sealing of Revelation 7, sealing the service of God in their forehead. I heard the number of them that were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000, R-M-D, thousand. He didn't write 144, he put R, 100, M, 40, D, 4, which is the work of the Holy Ghost. Thousand perfected glory. That's the reason Song 8 in the Canticles, it says, Solomon, you have a vineyard in Baal Haman, possessor of a multitude. Solomon, you must have a thousand. That's perfected glory. All the keepers of the vineyard, 200. 200 for the apostle, 200 for the prophet, 200 for the evangelist, 200 for the pastor and teacher. That's the hand of God and perfection for the perfecting of the saints. All the keepers of the vineyard, 200. And that perfection, that is to the measure of the stature of the, the fullness of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are sealed. When we see that perfecting of the saints is an epigonosco, and to the knowledge of the Son of God is epigonosco. They have come to the image of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 goes on and says, uh, uh, there, 11, 12, 13, unto what? Unto a perfect man, unto the measure. What measure? Well, there's a reed, like unto a rod given unto me, John, saying, Rise, measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without, leave out, measure it not. Why? Because the rod of God is not upon the wicked. And the holy city shall be trodden underfoot 40 and two months. Time, times and a half, three and a half years. And I'll give power unto my two servants, to my two witnesses. These are the two candlesticks. These are the two olive trees. They are the two witnesses there, which is the body of Christ having the Holy Ghost and that really to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus proclaiming the everlasting gospel to all the world for witness in all nations, and then they will come. When you see that, that Daniel 9.27, there remains a, a half of a week, a three and a half year witness covenant, a confirmation of that covenant. But many will have indignation against this holy covenant. And they will come against the the little horn will come against those that have indignation against the holy covenant. What covenant? That covenant which Jesus Christ given the covenant to the people. In the midst of the week, he will cause the sacrifice of oblation to cease. Jesus did that. And for the overspreading, overspreading of abomination, he'll make it desolate. Who is? Jesus is. That's a transgression of desolation because we've sinned against God. Somebody said, God didn't do that. Deuteronomy 32, God said, I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal. I, the Lord, do all these things. Shall there be evil in the city, and I, the Lord, God, have not done it? Let's give God the glory that's due to his name. When they came to Jesus, the disciples of John, and said, Why do the disciples of John, John the Baptist, say that Elijah must first come? Matthew 17, Jesus said, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things, because the heavens must receive Jesus at the times of the restitution of all things. 
the restoration of all things. And that restoration is of the street and the wall, even in troublous times of Jerusalem. And we can go into why 70, because as long as the land lay desolate, she enjoyed her Sabbaths. What would you do, what, in the winter and on the Sabbath day? She enjoyed her Sabbaths as long as the land lay desolate. That's a work of God Almighty. And there we have a restitution, restoration of the street and the wall, even in troublous times. The neighbor, tune into the podcast. Subscribe to us because you see Jesus said, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. And if you receive it, Elijah's already come. This, they stand or city, speak of John the Baptist. There. Why? John the Baptist there did no mighty miracles. Why? Because it's still there in the last days an Elijah ministry of restoration in and through the body of Christ. Because on the Mount of Transfiguration, it wasn't Elijah doing those kingdom miracles. They didn't see Elijah. After that, they saw Jesus only. Where was Elijah? It wasn't Elijah doing those kingdom miracles. It was Jesus, Jesus only. It wasn't Moses doing those those, uh, judgment miracles upon Egypt. It was Jesus only. And in the last days, all the remnant of received to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus will see Jesus only. And that's a Jesus only doctrine of Christ. He is the only true God in eternal life. There's not another. Subscribe to the channel, Sealing God's People, SealingGodsPeople.org. Go to the podcast there. We have the app, Sealing God's People. Until the next time, this is Brother Good Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.